guys, what is up? Welcome back to Let's Talk Religion podcast. I hope everyone is doing well. It's Bella, Erica, and Megan here today. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about how different religious communities are reacting to the coronavirus and if this is signaling the end of the world. It is said by ABC News that the coronavirus first started in December in Wuhan, China, when dozens of people were being treated for pneumonia from an unknown source. On January 11th, 2020, China reported the first death from coronavirus. Then, on January 21st, 2020, the United States got its first case of the virus. From here on, this pandemic has been destroying people's lives physically, mentally, and emotionally. To this day, according to Google, there have been 1.24 million cases confirmed in the United States, 165,000 recovered, and 72,417 deaths. It is crazy that all these numbers are increasing daily and very quickly. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the website states, COVID-19 is caused by a coronavirus called SARS-CoV-2. Older adults and people who have severe underlying medical conditions like heart or lung disease or diabetes seem to be at higher risk for developing more serious complications from COVID-19 illness. Even though there are some people who are at higher risk, the virus is affecting everyone's lives worldwide. Small businesses are shutting down, kids aren't allowed to go to school, which is causing graduations to be canceled, and religious communities are suffering. Some people may be wondering, how are certain religious communities reacting to the pandemic? In today's podcast episode, we'll be answering these questions. I also wanted to talk about and compare how religious communities were being affected by viruses in the past, and more specifically, I'm going to focus on the SARS virus that took place in 2003. So SARS was not as severe as the pandemic today, and more specifically, in the Christian churches, uh, the people of Toronto still filled the churches during the Easter weekend in April of 2003. And Toronto, Canada was a big population center for the SARS virus outside of Asia, where the virus originated. And from a New York Times article during the SARS outbreak, it stated, As worshippers arrived at their churches, they received pamphlets explaining that because of the outbreak of SARS, they would not be able to kiss the cross, share cups of wine, or use a confessional booth. Instead of a handshake as a solution of peace, churchgoers were asked to follow a simple bow. So, as you can see, there were many actions taken in many Catholic churches in Toronto, as Toronto had a large number of cases for the virus, and many churchgoers were still able to worship, but had to take many precautions, such as not sharing the wine, kissing the cross, and not offering handshakes to each other, which are a form of peace in the Catholic Church. And in addition, according to a National Catholic Reporter Publishing Company, nearly 500 members of an international Catholic community were quarantined after public health officials identified a cluster of SARS cases that spread during a mass and a prayer meeting in Toronto. And sadly, 31 people were infected with SARS, including three children and two doctors who were treating them. And the virus spread to the community after several members attended a wake on April 3rd of 2003, 
for a person who, it was later learned, died of the SARS illness. Um, To put things more globally, churches in Hong Kong also had to react to the SARS virus. And according to the Episcopal Church, the Reverend Andrew Can, General Secretary of the Anglican Province of Hong Kong, stated that no official guidelines had been issued due to the virus. And also, the Episcopal Church states that several churches, including St. John's Cathedral in Hong Kong, had suspended Sunday school classes and worshipers are exchanging the peace by nodding or bowing instead of shaking their hands or embracing. So basically the same thing as in Canada. So when comparing SARS to the coronavirus, we can see that it was not as severe as many churches today all across the world are completely shut down and can only worship inside their homes and have no other choices. But during SARS, from Toronto to Hong Kong, when seeing news articles from the past in 2003, churches were open for worshippers, but they had to take many precautions to prevent the spread. And it should be noted that both were very serious illnesses and that they both challenged the gathering of religious communities. Here is some information on another pandemic that occurred in the past and how some religious communities reacted. The Spanish flu of 1918 was a pandemic that affected people's lives drastically, just like the coronavirus. According to a scholarly article, The Origin and Virulence of 1918 Spanish Influenza Virus by Jeffrey K. Taubenberger, he states, This pandemic has gone down in history for being one of the deadliest times, infecting almost 500 million people around the world. He also states, many findings from autopsies said that most of the deaths were from pneumonia and respiratory failure. This relates to some of the symptoms of the coronavirus. For instance, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, some symptoms are trouble breathing and pressure in the chest. What is different from the coronavirus is that, according to Taubenberger, most deaths from the Spanish flu occurred among young adults, including ages 15 to 34 a group who usually has very low death rates due to influenza. While for the coronavirus, mostly older adults and people who have severe underlying medical conditions seem to be at higher risk. The first wave of the Spanish flu hit the United States in March 1918 and claimed by History.com the first case was reported in Fort Riley, Kansas. As the flu spread across the country, schools, businesses, and churches were closing just like businesses and churches are doing now for the coronavirus. Back then, during the Spanish flu, the Churches of Christ wanted to do something to help. One example, stated in an article by John Marks Marks Hicks, the Russell Street Church of Christ in Nashville did not close their doors. The church approached the Red Cross with an offer to help. The church became a temporary hospital for people to stay in because a lot of hospitals were turning away people who were sick. The members of the church helped the sick by feeding and nursing the poor. According to Hicks, even though most churches suspended their large assemblies, the Church of Christ in Nashville did not stop worshiping. Many of the members worshiped God from house to house. This shows how even though a pandemic was occurring, members of the church did not want the Spirit of God to go down. Populations specifically being hit hard by the coronavirus are Hasidic Jewish communities, especially in the state of New York. 
Borough Park in Brooklyn has the second highest reported number of coronavirus cases in New York, where Rockland County has the most. This can mainly be attributed to the larger populated Hasidic Jewish communities within these areas. Fremit Goldberger, a former resident of a Hasidic Jewish community in New York, writes about her concerns to the New York Times. She explains that there is often mistrust of science and authority figures within these communities. Goldberger notes that her village, Kiryas Joel, forbade television, internet, and secular newspapers. This meant that access to news was limited and slow, which is especially problematic now as this lack of crucial information becomes a dangerous threat. She also explains that Hasidic families are often large and live in close spaces, spaces that are shared by both the old and young. Ultimately, Goldberger emphasizes the connectedness of these communities and that they revolve around kinship and celebration. Others note that high levels of the coronavirus within these communities are due to reluctance from religious leaders and high levels of poverty. Another discussion revolves around a violent and oppressive past. Many note that closure orders risk similarity to historic religious persecution. However, the threat is more prominent when it comes to funerals. Hasidic Jewish neighborhoods are centered around unity and closeness, with funerals being a big part of that. While Orthodox Jewish communities are at a greater risk as a result of their highly social lifestyle, there are also similar issues across Europe in non-Orthodox communities. Some note that stigma has grown around catching the coronavirus, thus keeping many from speaking up or seeking treatment. The Times of Israel newspaper writes that this stigma has provoked aggressive and discriminatory behavior and that fear and coronavirus cases are growing in places like London and Milan. Hi, this is Erica here, so I'm going to be discussing Islam during the coronavirus. So as the world faces great disruption from the coronavirus, the Islamic faith is being greatly challenged and Muslims are having to adapt to new social norms. And one of the first changes brought about by social distancing has been the Muslim custom of shaking hands, followed by hugging friends and acquaintances, and that is especially prominent in mosques and during Muslim organizations. And another aspect of coronavirus prevention that comes very naturally to Muslims is personal hygiene. And more than 14 centuries ago, Prophet Muhammad emphasized himself, cleanliness is half of the faith. Muslims have to perform a ritual before the five daily prayers, which involves washing their hands up to their elbows, including interlacing of their fingers, washing their face and feet, and wiping their hair. And of course, these Muslim rituals do not completely prevent the spread of the disease, but it's interesting how their particular hygiene practices certainly help reduce it. Also, Muslims across the world are having to shift their traditions as the holiest month of Ramadan has started on April 23rd and still continues today. And to give a brief background on Ramadan, Ramadan is the month where Muslims believe that God revealed the Quran to the Prophet Muhammad. So the most important part of all of this is prayer. And normally those are communal prayers, but in almost all countries though now, because of the pandemic, mosques are closed and large gatherings are banned. So people are now praying at home. And another big part of Ramadan is the social aspect because after 14 or so hours of fasting, the fast is normally broken just after sunset when you gather with your extended family and friends. And this part of Ramadan is clearly canceled as well. So while the spiritual aspect remains, it doesn't have that festive atmosphere that it normally does. 
and this is affecting so many people as Islam remains the fastest growing religion in the United States with about 3.45 million Muslims in the country and that is according to a 2018 study according to the Pew Research Center. And also in a current NBC News article, according to William Webb, a U.S. Islamic scholar and Muslim convert, he stated, you immediately notice a difference as many of his fellow Muslims were missing the sense of community that accompanies the Ramadan month. And Webb also has a large social media following and offers online religious and educational classes and he has seen a vast increase in the number of people tuning in and preparing for a digital Ramadan. And interestingly, since social restrictions began in the United States, according to the same NBC News article, Webb has officiated a Muslim online wedding, witnessed nine testimonies from new converts over the platform Zoom, and advised frequently on funeral rites. His online classes for those stuck at home have attracted 3,000 weekly students aged 13 to 18 from places like New York, Russia, and Puerto Rico. And to put things more globally, in Saudi Arabia, the birthplace of Muslim, public prayers at two holy mosques in Mecca and Medania will be suspended to stop the spread of disease, unfortunately, according to Saudi Arabian officials. And also in Pakistan, on the other hand, the Prime Minister bowed to pressure from clerks to keep mosques open while advising worshipers to observe social distancing rules and worshipers will still need to wear masks in the mosque and maintain six feet apart from each other instead of the usual Muslim practice which is praying shoulder to shoulder and also mosque administrations must remove carpets and regularly disinfect premises. The coronavirus is impacting the Christian community immensely. According to an article called God vs. Coronavirus from the New York Times by Mattia Ferraresi, churches all across the globe are shutting down, which is causing funerals and weddings to be postponed. In a time of such chaos and horror, people are not allowed to go to church to pray and worship God. The coronavirus is causing Sunday Mass to be aired on local TV or online, which for most people does not feel the same as going to a real Mass. Going to Mass is a sign of hope for many people. According to Ferraresi, but for believers, religion is a fundamental source of spiritual healing and hope. Christian Masses need to stay open so that it could help many worshippers' mental health during this scary time. He also states, Similar measures have been taken in Japan, South Korea, and Iran, where several million worshippers have been deprived of the existential comfort of attending religious ceremonies in a moment of grave uncertainty and confusion. This shows that not only the United States is feeling this way, but other countries as well. According to Mallory Nye's book called Religion, the Basics, in one chapter where he talks about belief, he includes the Christian community a lot. For instance, on page 109, he states, Christianity in Western Europe and North America have been largely dominated by Protestant traditions where there's a strong emphasis on faith. This shows how, for many Christian communities, faith is a big factor in their belief system. In dark times like this pandemic that is occurring today, faith is a way that helps them keep a strong belief in God. Even though many are feeling that being at church is the only way to gain hope during this time, 
Another New York Times article by Esau McCauley states, The church's absence, its literal emptying, can function as a symbol of its trust in God's ability to meet us regardless of the location. The church remains the church, whether gathered or scattered. It might also indirectly remind us of the gift of gathering that we too often take for granted. He is trying to pass along the message that many Christians are trying to explain, even though we may not be able to gather together, God is still there and you have to trust him in that matter. During this time, many Christian churches are trying to help out their communities. For example, an article from the Church of, Christ, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints website says, The church has approved over 280 COVID-19 relief projects in over 80 countries. This includes 5.5 million of cash donations to the key relief agencies in the U.S. to date. Even though the coronavirus is affecting many religious communities, including Christians, each community is trying its very best to help out their members of the church during this time. Overall, the only way to get through this is if everyone stays positive and works together. To most, the coronavirus pandemic has brought waves of fear and panic. To many, it has felt almost apocalyptic. To some, it could mean the end of the world. Many different religions reference the end of the world in their sacred texts. However, in this podcast, we will primarily focus on Christianity and the Bible. This is a common discussion that arises in crisis as people try to make sense of what is unfolding. Early apocalyptic speculation can be found in Jewish scriptures, such as within the book of Daniel. In Islam, the Quran holds stories detailing plagues and a final earthquake. Similar themes can be found in Buddhism, including plagues, social inequality, and the end coming as a result of collective karma. Looking more specifically at Christianity, Many look to the Book of Revelation and the New Testament when discussing the end of the world. Professor of Anthropology at University of California, Santa Cruz, Susan Harding, in her essay for the Bulletin of American Academy of Arts and Sciences, discusses a group of Christians called Premillennial Dispensationalists, noting that they, quote, divide the end of history into two distinct periods, the present, or the last days, in which Bible prophecies are not being fulfilled, and the future, the Great Tribulation, in which they are fulfilled, end quote. They believe that the last days end when the rapture occurs, and that is when Christ appears and lifts his bride, or the church, up into heaven. It is important to note here that following this, the tribulation begins, a seven-year period of hardship that culminates in the Battle of Armageddon. Harding also discusses the apocalyptic lens in which this particular group of Christians discuss current events. She points out that their perspective is most often framed by Bible prophecy. Harding uses many political examples, such as the Persian Gulf crisis, to emphasize this point. President George Bush frequently consulted evangelical preacher Billy Graham during this period. This is also seen today, as President Donald Trump is also seen consulting various prominent evangelical figures. A key feature of premillennial dispensationalists is that they believe that the date of the rapture is unknown, thus leaving much opportunity for speculation and analysis of current crises. But how do we see this play out during the coronavirus? The New York Times reflects the words of Shemin Webster, an evangelical Christian, when talking about the coronavirus. Webster says, quote, God is using it for good to teach us and train us on how to live life better. Anne Graham Lotz, daughter of aforementioned Billy Graham, recently wrote, quote, You and I need to make sure we are right with God so that we are ready to meet him whenever the time comes. 
It seems that most premillennial dispensationalists are also unsure as to what the coronavirus may mean, but this does align with their philosophy of the rapture having an unknown date. Before his death, Billy Graham wrote in 2009 about predicting Jesus' return. He cautions against precise predictions, saying that no mere person could hold this knowledge. He concludes by saying, quote, He could come at any moment, and the signs warning of his coming become more and more obvious every day. Once he comes, it will be too late to commit ourselves to him and work for him. Now is the time to believe in him and follow him. End quote. Similarly, Charles Pierce of Apostolic Glory of Zion International Ministries also noted that he did not believe the coronavirus was a sign of the end of times. Prophecy writer Gary Ray also supports this theory, saying that this is instead a sign that non-believers should convert so they can be saved before it is too late. Today we have heard about the impact of the coronavirus within a variety of religious communities and what it has meant for their practices and habits. We have heard about SARS and the Spanish flu and their similarities and differences in comparison to the coronavirus. Lastly, we discussed the parallels between the coronavirus and the stories from the Revelation in the Bible. It is evident that religious communities are being hit hard from this pandemic as a result of the heavy emphasis on community and interactive practice within these religions. And while we cannot predict what the future may look like in terms of this virus, we can say that we hold hope for religious communities across the world. Religion has proved to act as a unifying factor, and we hope that as a global community we can come together across varying faiths. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.